Hi everyone, welcome to Primrose Light. I hope that you're all keeping safe and well during these um, strange times. Uh, I wanted to say a huge thank you to those of you that have kindly uh, liked and shared and subscribed to the um, the the um, the first two episodes that we've had on Primrose Light. Um, so the first one was with my friend Rupin on conditioning, and we touched on lots of different aspects uh, in in life generally. Uh, and then uh, last week, you will have heard, hopefully, um, Ria uh, and I did a really interesting podcast on corporate hustle and women in the workplace and how to avoid corporate burnout. Um, with the great feedback we've had, uh, many of you were keen to, to know more from what Rupin and I had to share. So I'm very pleased to have Rupin um, with me again today. Rupin, welcome. Thank you for coming again on Primrose Light. Oh yeah, here we are again. Thanks so much for having me again. That's really nice. Fantastic. Um, we thought we would t- talk about something quite interesting, actually. Um, I came into contact with Robin Sharma years ago. I've followed his work um albeit not to a huge degree, um, but was very interested and, and curious to hear the sorts of things he'd talked about. He's obviously one of the um, eminent leaders in personal development and um, teaches and coaches leaders across the world and has a huge following and speaks a lot of wisdom. Um, so uh, I guess I probably first heard about him through personal development courses that I used to do years ago. Um, and he uh, referenced a book called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, which was uh, a book he, he had written um, years and years ago, I think back in 1991, if I'm not wrong. Um, anyway, he uh, has written many books and I thought what would be really interesting today to discuss with Rupin would be uh, a book on that he's been following um, and, and actually implementing in his own life um, called the 5am club so uh, we thought we'd share a couple of the wisdoms that we've um, heard and read and actually trying to implement um, so yeah Rupin tell us tell us a little bit about how you heard about the 5am club and some of the learnings you've had yeah that's uh, that's interesting that you mentioned that you had heard of Robin Sharma a little while back mm. as well um, I think similar situations happened to me that uh, the um, the author and the books had come into my life perhaps at a time where I maybe wasn't ready for it and that I had heard about Robin Sharma I'd heard about the monk who sold his Ferrari years ago when I was probably 22 23 so six seven years back now and I think it was my, so one of the in-laws or like of my cousin that was married to my cousin, she had told me that this was a good book that I would definitely be um, sensible and, and uh, find use by reading. And I, I think I did read it at the time. I think I read The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari and The 5am Club at the time. And essentially maybe just like wasn't capable of of taking away any of the lessons and any of the messages and um and it and it went in one ear and went out the other ear sure. yeah and then was um just kind of like got, got on with my life and 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 uh, left it there in the past and I think I had um a lot of time in between and then it came up again mm. and this time it came up when I was um I guess a bit more in need of help and in a bit more need of um of guidance and so I was reaching out to uh to a coach to to find some help from um somebody who who 
professes to be able to offer help and was giving the support um, and charging for it. And I could uh, take that value um, and, and pay for it. Like I, it sometimes is useful to, to find somebody who, um, who isn't just a, a friend and isn't just a, a close person who, um, that I actually sought out the help that I needed. And one of his recommendations was to, um, instead of getting up at a little bit earlier before work and instead of just doing a little bit here and there before work and then um, carrying on with my, my day, he was recommending that I read this book, The 5am Club, and um, get up even earlier. And at first I was like, no way, there's not going to be possible. But I um, I did read the book and, and sort of got into, got into what the author is trying to get you to understand and get you t- to use. And it was about three quarters of the way book, through the book that I... Um, he references another book called John Livingston Seagull, which is not really that much related to the book, but it's just a, it's just a story that he kind of thinks you would be beneficial to read as well, where it's about a a seagull who, who wants to, who wants to fly and wants to leave the, the, the sort of like banks of the ocean and doesn't want to be near the beach anymore. And he wants to like fly like an albatross over the middle of the ocean. Right. Uh, so yeah, but as soon as he said that John Livingston Seagull, it clicked in my head and I realised I've read all these books once before and sure. now I'm getting all this impactful, like life-changing advice that I had ignored mm. in the past. Um, maybe maybe just like not been not been able to absorb it in the right way. So really interesting that you said that mm. you'd heard it already from the past, and I think that sometimes does happen that uh, you can just not be ready for stuff. And and there's that phrase in there that um, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, exactly. That you can't. You can just you can get exactly the right advice at exactly the wrong time and it means nothing to Absolutely. you. Absolutely, yeah, timing is everything in, in something like this and thank you so much for sharing that. That That is very interesting that I'd heard of it years ago, was very intrigued by that title, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, mm. and it's a very catchy title um, and you can, I think, quite vividly even have a picture in your head. Um, but it's only, I think, when when you know the years have passed and you know the time is right perhaps you'll come into contact with it but I was really really just taken aback with the wisdom and knowledge and truth um, and I, I say this often truth is truth you can't actually that that's timeless knowledge and even though you might not be ready to hear it because we're kind of working through the different things conditioning um excuses etc but I think when you are seeking answers and you are a seeker of truth and you're humble and submissive to finding that truth, that's Mm. when I think the words from the page lift into genuine meaning and almost touch your soul. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that it's, um, it's about sort of like hearing that the, the truth is the truth, no matter what, no matter what stage you are in your journey? Oh, it's a good question. I think truth is truth, but I think it's like uh, you have to know what sadness is to know what happiness is, and you have to know what hot weather is like, to, but you have to have experienced cold weather to appreciate it. So I think tr- there is only one truth, and I think my personal belief is we owe it to ourselves, and it's incumbent on us to be seekers of the truth, and 
to navigate through different things of which I think there's a lot of information out there and I think you have to do what fits right with you and your soul and your values but I think you should also question um, and not just blindly follow things but I think that if you do all those things the truth does find itself to you because it's what your soul will resonate with but that's operating at I think quite a high frequency and I think you have to be quite in touch and I think that's where certainly from Vedanta which is a lot of the learning where I take my inspiration from talks about is um, having that higher purpose and sitting by um, you know a, a learned experienced person who can teach you um, and tell you the truth and then you meditate you reflect um I don't know what, what and take the bits that and take the bits that resonate with yeah you. and I think that that's important right you I don't think people should blindly follow everything I mm. think you you do what fits your um what works for you and what what yeah what resonates and if it doesn't, you politely and humbly, you know, respectfully say thank you for the knowledge. I don't feel that resonates with me. And if it does, keep it. And I think that unique imprint that we'll all have will um, will help us. But the truth ultimately is the truth. And there will be only one of those. But the way in which we all get to that will be different. Isn't so that, that sounds like you almost have made the decision before you've heard it mm. what about what your truth is and then somebody saying it out loud articulates what you already felt on mm. the inside and so where the truth is coming from your soul it's like perhaps everybody already knows what the truth is and then they are just being guided by their by their leaders or their mentors to actually be able to articulate it or be able to hear it for the first time in a way and then because it's coming down to whether their soul agrees with it, mm. they're then able to decide whether that's a truth that they align with or that's a truth that they don't align with. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Because if, I mean, I guess the way I see it is if you think of a baby, a baby has no judgment or imprint in it. I mean, obviously, again, talking from a Vedanta yeah. standpoint, um, we all have certain natural tendencies and and that might be reincarnation, that might be our karma, that might be what they call our vasanas, so our inherent tendencies that mean that we're cer- we're a certain way. But if you think about it as a baby, like if you're hungry, you'll cry. If you need to have your diaper changed, you'll 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 cry out for that. But they won't distinguish between black, white, um, fat, thin. You know, they they don't care. But why is it that maybe? they change over time it's partly the conditioning it's per- partially how they've been nurtured yeah. so i think that again it will be something i'll cover in another podcast about this whole nature nurture argument but i do think that the conditioning starts such because actually a baby at its core that is its truth it, it's responding to its natural mm-hmm. um need but it's taught you know don't don't just don't be don't disturb me, I'm busy, or, um, you know, and it starts to form those impressions, or do your homework, it's making me annoyed that you're not doing it, focus, and it learns, the way we talk to the children is changing, actually, their, like, their vibrations, and, like, that helps form conditions. And aren't you just creating their version of truth? Exactly, exactly, which is why it's so important, again, like, to be mindful about 
sort of conscious parenting but I mean we're sort of we're going off on on a on a tangent in that sense but I think you make an interesting point that whilst truth is truth we have to also ask uh quite assertively as well as humbly what that means mm. I don't know what what if you agree or if you've got any thoughts well, around no, that it's like it's it's kind of um it's symmetry, isn't it? That a mm. baby that is looking up to their parents or elders who seeks out truth from the people around them to kind of guide them is the same as us as adults mm. seeking out our spiritual teachers or perhaps our authors that then we, um, when we were babies, we had to follow along and had to go, go with the truths that were kind of laid out in front of us because we had either no option to to um to disagree or we just had no um no uh understanding of a external possibility and now that we're adults like you said we're questioning which of our truths which of the truths that are being presented to us actually align with us and to be able to grow into an adult who's capable of of questioning fairly and safely Mm. um the teachings that are being presented in front of us uh it would be helpful for us to teach our children and our babies how to question the truths that we present in front of them 100 percent, and i think that's why children actually do like why why is the sky blue or why is this why is that yeah um and it's quite right and i think as parents we have a really important job to also um dispel certain myths and you know we were sort of just sometimes put in our place be like oh just stop asking me why and maybe we didn't question yeah. enough but maybe and i suspect maybe our generation might be a little bit more different and be like oh well, i don't actually know why the sky is blue and let me go research it and then tell my child uh for example mm-hmm. um maybe maybe but um yeah it's an interesting it's an interesting piece and it's definitely one that i'm going to do a podcast on about like conscious parenting how to um, answer those truths um but so it's something to look forward to it is something to look forward to <laughs> yes but you've certainly um planted the seed That's, so thank yeah, you Rufin. um but but let's talk a little bit more about the 5am club because you've changed so much i mean obviously we've known each other a few years and you've been on a real journey of evolution and growth and it's really really inspiring to see and I'm so proud of all the work that you've done so I really hope that you continue it but it'll be fantastic for the um the listeners uh listening in uh for you to share some of the insights that you've um gained through the 5am club and through uh just even more more widely what what have been the real nuggets of wisdom well um the 5am club is um not not an actual club it's just uh it's a book mm-hmm. and it's a um it's a story that the author kind of like walks you through um an experience that the main characters go through where they are visited by a at first he doesn't appear to be anything um special he's just one of the other main characters but as the story unfolds you realize that actually this normal looking chap is a billionaire who like uh, runs an empire and has all of these methods for success that he starts to impart on to the other characters and he teaches them uh leaving them with 
like hints and messages to to kind of grow themselves in many different facets of their lives and because it's written as a story you don't feel like you're being lectured and you don't feel like you're supposed to be learning something it just filters in it just um sort of uh diffuses into the into the message and uh you just receive it without it being too forced which wow. I, I really enjoy I, yeah i find that quite um an enjoyable way to to take in a message where it's hidden within within a story yeah that's very powerful yeah a bit like any kind of like i don't know a, a movie that you might watch where you don't even realize how powerful the moral of the story is or the message that's behind it is but you you're just enjoying the you know the explosions or the i don't know the <laughs> romance or something that's sure, going on sure. um but by the end of it you come away from the film a completely changed person and that's the the kind of impact that a book like that can have especially as somebody like me who doesn't tend to read like too heavily I sure. wouldn't want a heavy book so sure. it's quite a nice easy read um and i think that the the interesting part is that he um he it, it's a personal development book where he separates something from the mindset and the heart set which i hadn't really experienced or understood before and and i had found that 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 might have been the key to understanding why a lot of my personal development that i did back when i was 21 22 and i came away from my personal development years thinking that i was woke and that I was mm. like completely healthy and that I was fixed or perhaps like a bit condescending to people who weren't quite as conscious as I was sure um that I had fixed my mindset and that I'd done a really good job of getting my mind right so I was actually speaking to myself in the right way and I was being able to control my mind and my thoughts but in this book robin sharma kind of separates the mindset from the heart set and that you, if you've just got your mindset right then it's not enough until you get your heart set wow. right then your mind your mindset doesn't doesn't finish the job basically interesting so what do you mean by heart set so yeah heart set is more to do with um so i guess you could you could you could put it into more like the, the the physical and the processes would be in your heart in your mindset right yeah and then the the self compassion and the self worth would ah, be the heart set okay. side of things and if you don't work on both yes then you then like you can just have this appearance and outward outward sort of like look that everything's going well and that you've got a positive pma positive mind you know, like uh mental attitude yes. and that you're um saying the right things to yourself but on a on a depth like when you look really deeply inside mm. the the internal struggles that you might be going through um manifest through perhaps something self-destructive or you're holding yourself back or that you actually don't believe that uh let's say you have your mindset if i was just to give you an example so that it would be a bit easier to maybe please. understand yeah, please. like let's say you had a financial goal and you wanted to achieve your financial goal within the next 
three to five years and you were like, I would like to be a millionaire. And to you, that meant that you wanted a million pounds in your bank account and that you could look at your uh, statement and you had, um, you know, enough zeros there that you felt that you'd achieved that goal. So you could have the right mindset and you could wake up every single day and say, like, my goal is that I want to have a million pounds in the bank account. And you could um, you could start to look at ways to grow your income and you could start to speak to yourself in a positive way and you could start to um, do more income producing things that would get you closer to your goal. Whereas if you were to look at the heart set you might have a heart set that says that you don't deserve to have a million pounds yes. and you could have a heart set that says that you that money is actually the root of all evil mm. or you could have a heart set that says something like we we are not the kind of um i don't know community or people that should have that kind of sure goal. you're undeserving of that yeah. It's a bit like the Think and Grow Rich book, isn't it? Um, that if your wiring and imprint is such that perhaps you grew up in a really uh, poor family and life was a struggle, then your imprint might be such that you do things that actually naturally propel, even though you yeah. might think otherwise and even though you might be um, trying really hard to make money, actually the attitude towards money, not viewing it in the sense of abundance, um that is available exactly. for all uh is it sort of that sort of point yeah exactly like changing that mind the, that, that, the narrative you yeah, tell yourself yeah exactly and then realizing that the that it that you actually are worthy of your goals and that you actually do Beautiful. deserve to have those yeah. things that you want um and that it's only you that is in your way of getting what you want absolutely and i, I guess yeah, you are the only person getting in the way. And so you need both your heart set, which makes complete sense of the, the feeling, if I'm enough, I'm worth it, I can achieve anything and everything I want to. And then having the mindset as to like physically going out and doing it. Yes, yeah. And yeah, exactly. Fascinating. And it does say, right, like if you want to be in the top 5%, you can't do what the rest of the 95% do. And you have to think like a, a warrior really and you've got to put yourself out there yeah i think it's that you you have to do what the what the other 95 percent aren't willing to do exactly yeah. and that's the distinguishing but that's where the the magic happens um so so tell us a bit more about this because i think this is such an interesting topic and it's the stuff that makes me so excited so from from what i understand robin sharma's obviously advocating in this book about starting your day with energy and purpose and uh, having a great pattern and structure um starting your day by no surprise waking up at five o'clock and um then having a 2020 um method so talk to, to talk to us a little bit about that yeah so i don't claim to be an expert on the on the book itself but i have taken away a lot of um learns for myself that I've implemented into my life and so I like I guess it's the same for everybody that when you read a book that really hits home for you you take away the bits that are meaningful and you put them into your lifestyle and you you run with that and then um the bits that might the rest of the book that that might be useful and relevant for somebody else like I wouldn't necessarily want anybody to think that the bits that I've taken away from the book are the only oh, fascinating no, bits course. from the book there's, and that's humble if you say no, there's, of lots, there's lots there 
Um, but I think that yes, you're right. Obviously, it's called the five a.m. club, which is in the in the title. Like the main thing is that you have to get up at five. Yeah. Yeah. And I've watched some uh, of his interviews afterwards to where the um, the interviewer is asking like, well, what if I get up at five thirty, or what if I get up <laughs> at seven, or what if I live in a time zone, or what yeah. if I work at night? Yeah. And. Robin Sharma said repeatedly that actually it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're implementing the reasons for um, doing what you're supposed to be doing um, and as long as you're getting the reasons right then it does it's not really about the 5am like start okay. in fact it's just about the the way that you start your day fine and so the 5am club is perfect for a normal person's day because most people start at nine at work, which means that they might get up and they might start doing things. They leave the house at eight or whatever and they eat at 7.30. And like for people that have kids and stuff, they might be getting up even earlier. And so sure. like, you know, the earliest that I really hear about people getting up is like six. Yes. It's pretty normal time to get up for work is six. Yes. And six is kind of around the time that the sun starts to come up. So... Robin Sharma is suggesting that you get up one hour earlier than that. Mm-hmm. You know, one hour earlier than what you need to get up. And you use that hour to settle yourself into a day that is going to have um, the productivity that you need to be successful in whatever definition of success you're aiming for. And the two important things there are that it's an hour so you've got a full 60 minutes mm-hmm. and that it's before the sun comes up and the before the sun comes up is important because i don't know like I, i'm not like you know i haven't done too much research on this myself but what he's saying is that the mystics of the ancient are suggesting and shamans and you know like spiritual leaders and a lot of people that have like very high um frequency re- yeah frequency yeah. and like are respected within the the spiritual community find that the hour before the sun comes up has a magical property because that hour is a very undisturbed time of the day Correct. and you can feel a different sense of energy for whatever reason it is and mm. like I've tried to go out for walks in that time mm. to try and understand it and to try and figure it out and it's there you can feel it the, the just to give you a few examples of what I've experienced when I've gone out at five first thing in the morning is that the birds that are on the on the path or on the road or in the field or whatever they seem to have been there for a long time. They're like not just like hustling and bustling. They're mm. just like sitting where they've been sitting for hours or like, you know, they've been there all night and this is where they've kind of been resting. And so the birds are undisturbed. Yeah. And the grass is all undisturbed because nobody's walked on it. And the dew and the the mist and stuff is all exactly where it is. And then I think there's something about the air being the same air that's been there overnight. Fine. So it just, like, is very still in the air. And, like, my my scientific, like, understanding, you know, with the sun, as soon as the sun starts to come up, 
hits the ground, warms the air up, and that air starts to rise. Yeah. So you've got like very still air before the sun comes up that hasn't gone anywhere. And wow. I think that's part of it as well. That's fascinating. And no, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's about that solitude. I mean, that's such a beautiful picture you painted. Thank you. It's talking about, I guess, the solitude and how that improves your brain state to help perform like the pros. And you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we've been going to the, the Iskon Temple, so the International Society of Christian Consciousness for years, and there's something known as Mangla Arati, and that means that at 4.30, uh, their lordships and the deities are woken up, and actually there'll be people dancing in a very like melodious way, melodious way, and actually it's a, it's a time of actually great spiritual um, reflection, and um, our brain chemistries are different in the morning, and they say that your brain frontal cortex, mm-hmm. um, or like the part that makes you like worry or... Um, analyze things over and over is actually temporarily shut down so it's actually a place to really enjoy that stillness and it's also actually studies have been shown on this to increase the dopamine levels in your brain as well as serotonin um, which helps you feel energized and at peace and it's such a great way to start your morning so it gives you that sense of calmness serenity and focus before as you were saying that the hot air rises actually it's almost a bit of an, an analogy maybe that you could draw that the hot air rises and we're all like like all, all kind of aggressively going about our day at sort of nine ten and then you know one whereas actually yeah. the 5 a.m is such a peaceful like the birds are there the you know the grass hasn't been sort of trodled on for a few hours it's it's like nature as is mm. And maybe that's what the 5am club is, isn't it, about? Kind definitely, of just... definitely. Yeah, I think that you touched on some really good points there, that the, the science, the neurochemistry mm. of it as well is, is like de- definitely important, that you're actually in a different part of your like level of your brain waves because you've just woken up. It's yeah. first thing in the morning and you haven't got to the sort of like hustle and bustle of your own mind yet. Yes. You're still very like half, one foot in subconscious and yeah. one foot in conscious. Well, it's a very meditative state, right? And I guess that's my impression of, of the book. It's, it's one that's on my list of things to, to read. So I've just, um, I've read parts of it, but I haven't read the whole book. So I'm, I'm almost piecing it together nice. from, from you. And, and it's, it's going to be the next thing I read, I promise. But um, that's my impression that um, that meditative state is where we should be living our life again being like in the present waking up early being calm focused these are all like buzzwords but actually this book is really helping you like with the tools it's my sense to live that is that has that mm. been your experience yeah yeah well it's giving you the tools to fill that part of your morning sure with the with the with the bits that will create the day that you want nice yeah nice and so this 20 20 20 so there's three main lessons that um so it's waking up at 5 a.m will provide you with like the solitude and the improved like brain power yeah. and like the serotonin yeah. um, and you have to get straight out of bed and you get you s- can't snooze and no like snooze. just you know mess around no 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 it's about like you are up at five yeah. five oh one you should be brushing your teeth kind of thing <laughs> yeah well actually i've ended up having to get up just a little bit earlier so that i can start at five oh instead. very good yeah like That's... i think it did they're almost 
you miss out on a few minutes if you set your alarm at five. Right. So, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. So maybe 4.45. Yeah, I found that was easier. That's impressive, Ruth, and I like it. So you'll wake up at 4.45 in readiness for your 5 a.m. Yeah. And then... Shall I run you through my morning? Yeah, run, that will be excellent, yeah. please. So I set my alarm on the Alexa downstairs in the kitchen, which helps me to, like, not snooze not change it and i like i started that and i thought that was a pretty good idea but with alexa it's really you know quite convenient because you can put spotify to play like whatever playlist you want and it's not within reach and you don't have to like mess around with your phone just before you're going to bed to set your alarm Mm -hmm. um so i set alexa to do a spotify playlist called wake up gently which basically has the few piano tracks um, oh nice yeah and that goes off on maximum volume downstairs at 4 45 and so I get out of bed first thing like do my bed <laughs> like open the curtains and uh, open the window slightly then yeah brush my teeth like you know just get ready and stuff then go downstairs and then like you were saying a couple of times there 20 20 20 so the first 20 is 20 minutes of exercise and the exercise has to be like something body pump where you're like really getting into it. And you're Busting like, a sweat. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You have to get your blood sort of circulating mm. um, quickly and a lot and perhaps like a little bit of a sweat. But I just tend to do like 20 press-ups, 20 burpees and um, like just like some bicep curls or something. Depends on like what I'm feeling yeah, like. Yeah, that, that would get me working up a sweat, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, just take my time with that. Like, nice. Yeah. Then the next 20 is to do uh, something reflective, mm-hmm. which could be a meditation or it could be journaling. And so I was telling you last time about my journal, the men's journal, which I didn't mention the name. It's called Mind Journal. And um, it's uh, the one where it kind of like decides for you what your journaling is going to be about. And it gives you something to um, to write about. But the first page has three intentions for the day and three things that you're grateful for. So that kind of fills me up with the stuff that I need to for my self-reflection. And then I get to answer the rest of the questions. So then I do that for 20 minutes. And then the last 20 minutes is to learn something new. Mm-hmm. So you do like a podcast or you do a YouTube video or you read a book or something like that. And then that takes you to the end of the hour Wonderful. where then you can start the rest of your the day normally as you would how beautiful. As you used to. How beautiful. And so you mentioned in the second 20 minutes that your journal, and thank you for sharing um, what you used to journal with, because I heard a few people ask, um, which was which was from our first podcast. Tell us about the apps you use. Do you, um, presumably you don't meditate and journal, you'll do one and then the other, but do you have um, uh, an app or do you have any um, recommendations of how to meditate i mean they say really strictly speaking purest meditations so if you could just sit there and you don't need an app to tell you anything but i just wonder for perhaps people that are new and learning i use calm um and mm. you know there's lots of amazing youtubes but i think um sitting just solo is is, is the best but really it'd be good to know what you what you recommend well, i let I don't have too much to do in my mornings after I've done my 5am club stuff. So I actually quite often will get a journal and a meditation in mm-hmm. and then I'll just like, I have no nothing to rush for because work doesn't start till nine. The only thing that I want to do is like a proper workout. So I've got plenty of time. And when I do meditate, I would like to use the Calm app most of the time because they're, they're guided meditations, which allows me to 
bring presence to each part of the breathing and different parts of my body and centers myself really well in a way that I don't think I would be capable of doing without the guidance. Um, so that's one part of the meditation. I, I think that I think that for a beginner like me, using the Calm app, although it might not be considered like pure meditation, I think it's definitely much better because you, like a, me just sitting there and trying to meditate by myself would inevitably end up in not the position that I would like to be for no. meditation and the whole point in the in the morning routine is to is to fill your subconscious with positive things that you would like to look forward to rather than negative things that yes. you're looking back onto yeah. and and uh, that's a really honest account actually I think all right so many people live in their mind and make things so much worse than it needs to be and it's their subconscious running riot in the monkey mind so I agree. My sense is having an app, like I think you're also yeah. encouraging people to do, seems like a way to still focus your mind. Yeah. And, and as I've said before, uh, and I'm going to give a shout out to my friend Dridgen, who um who ran some beautiful meditations uh, during lockdown and that I, I did every day actually for when he was running them at 7am. Um, so I wasn't quite as good uh, to wake up at, at 4.45, but I would wake up at 6.30 um and we would do a sort of a half an hour guided meditation where you know you would do a bit of a body scan and uh, well first we'd do a little bit of gentle exercise um just deep breathing um and um and then we would sort of have like a yeah a body scan we'd go into sometimes we would do like a chakra meditation but it would very much focus on observe your mind let the thoughts come don't don't try to control them, observe them, um, filter them, yeah. and then let them go. Um, so, no, I, I think that, that sounds great. So it's a, a great way. So it sounds like you, you make your body sweat, so then you're, you're decreasing the cortisol, so the stress hormone in your body. Okay. You're, I guess you've got a good hormonal, a hormonal balance, so it sets you up well for the day. Then you're reflecting, so you're getting your, your mind right, and then you're doing something that's sort of sparks a bit of passion something that progresses you and progresses you that's amazing and so what kind of things have you done you said podcasting what else have you done yeah so i started um to with listening to the author robin sharma's interviews yes i thought that would be a great place to yeah, start yeah like already waking up because he told me to i was like okay, <laughs> so this is what else this guy has to say yeah, yeah yeah and then it was just very very rapid sort of um transformation where like that video led me to somewhere else the next day and then I ended up finding out about Mind Valley and uh, Vision's company that um, has so much so much there like there's a really expansive amount of um, education that's available that's all pretty much free and there's some stuff that you can pay for but there's so much out there for free that you can access very quickly mm. um and then that took me from one teacher to another and to another and then you, all of a sudden you're just like fantastically accelerated your growth that um you couldn't have learnt as much as you do in that it over like a three week period you learned so much that mm. it would have taken you maybe a year to have learned that much had you not been getting up at five and having that clear mind and like really taking it in such a um in such a for in almost like a forced way where you're forcing yourself to like add that into your morning routine wow that's so nice so now do you 
can you imagine life being any different? Do you think now you're, you've mm. sort of got this 5am start for life? So sometimes I, I'll, I'll not get to bed on time. I have to get to bed at pretty much 9.30. Well, I was going to ask you, what time do you go to bed in order to sort of still fall suitably well-rested, but also... Uh, yeah, you can't so do both. No. You can't, like, stay up and, like, watch movies and no, stuff. No, nor should you. It's not good for your health, right? So. Yeah, I guess that it... I was watching a lot of TV and I was, like, chilling and going out and doing stuff. And, yeah. you know, uh, after a while it's kind of like, well, uh, I'm not really growing in no. any way. something's got to give. From this, yeah. Sure. So I gave that, I gave up my late evenings because I wasn't seeing the value of that and have put it, put the time into my mornings where there definitely is more value. Um, and like you said, with the, the 5%, if you, if you want to live the life that the 5% do, you have to be willing to do what the 95% aren't willing to do. So, mm. um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very simple phrase, but very complicated as well at the same time. And, and, um, and it, it's impactful and it, it's exactly what it means. It means, yeah. it means a lot that, you know, you can't, you can't just ha- live sort of a, a lazy lifestyle and then expect like the wealth and the, and the, and the abundance the value of life, of yeah. life to yeah. just fall on fall your doorstep your and yeah. like, you're not going to, you're not going to live, you're not going to end up with the life that you want by watching movies in the evening. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, I think you're a hundred percent right. Consistently just watching movies is not going to get you there by all means. Enjoy it for, you know, every now and then, but you're right. I think the consistency yeah. and, and Robin Sharma touches upon that. Um, and I've heard him as well. I love listening to him. He talks a lot about consistency and it's like with anything in life, right? If you consist, you know, it takes 10,000 hours to perfect, uh, you know, uh, an interest or a hobby or a vocation, um, it's exactly the same, consistently, methodically, plugging away, diligently. Um, so, no, I, I agree. And so, um, from what I understand, the book also talks about these um, interior empires to find self-mastery. In. And I'm just looking, it talks a bit about not just focusing on your mindset. So, whilst thinking optimistically uh, will help your thoughts, there are these other interior empires. Yeah. And you were talking, I mean, you, you touched on it, didn't you, about this... Um, your mindset, your health set, your heart set, and your soul set. Did you, did you take away anything about it? So obviously, doing these like committing to exercise will help you, uh, help be healthier and help you live longer. You'll have more energy, lose stress, be happier. Yeah. Um, you talked about sort of having a healthy emotional life where we can express ourselves and you have healthy emotional attachments, uh, which are also vital to our success. But was there anything else, um, that you you felt stood out for you? Well, I think that each part of the 2020-20 is to kind of like hit one part of that. Right, okay, yeah. fine. So that you're um, you're doing something that uh, leads you closer towards um, the, the awakening of each of your internal um, set. There. Fine, and I guess that leads quite nicely onto the last bit about the soul set i.e so whatever you believe make time in the morning to connect spiritually into yourself so to something higher uh, and that's important here at primrose light where we want to help grow this con- conscious community yeah. so focusing on the spirituality um so who are you why are you doing this what fuels you um and i guess to realize that life can have a lot of superficiality um 
and unless we connect deeply and meaningfully with ourselves we'll just get caught up in that because that's the way advertising and the way society's all set up for um so no thank you um Rupin for sharing your insights I wanted to uh, to sort of touch on for the next sort of 15 minutes or so um about some of the um the awesome lessons that I learned about the monk who sold his Ferrari because you know we're talking uh, Robin Sharma here and he's got so many amazing um teachings that he's he's sort of set out in all the books that he's written all the interviews and podcasts that he's done I don't know is that you said you read it but I, years I, ago. I'm sure I read it years ago and I, d- I didn't reread it recently oh. no well I'll I'll give I'll give the audience a bit of a, a quick snapshot um so yeah it, it's essentially touching on if you want to be um happy you have to realize that that comes that's a mindset thing and you know it's so much more than just financial material success and it helps define or redefine what it means to be successful and what it means to be a leader and what it is to have true happiness. And so the basic story is um, basically, um, it's a personal development story of two fictitious characters, uh, Julian Mantle and his best friend, John. And it's written in like poetic prose. So Julian is this hotshot, high-flying lawyer, um, you know, earning a six, seven figure salary, has a Ferrari, um, and, and he did all of this, but he was fat and looked very old and drained and didn't really have any life in him. He wasn't happy. Um, and he was in search of wisdom and happiness. Um, so he sold his mansion, he sold his expensive Ferrari and he headed for the Himalayan mountains and he studied, studied uh, the wisdom of the Savannah sages. And, uh, it's a really, really, again, like he was saying with um, the 5am club, it's written in such a nice story that you don't feel like you're being lectured. It's delivered in such a structured way. I mean, I couldn't put the book down and I'm, ironically, despite being a lawyer, I would not claim to be the best reader. I loved though reading this book um, and it really touched on some key points of which I thought we could run through now, if that's okay, Ruben. So it talks about cultivating your mind, which is what we talked about um, earlier. So the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your thoughts. What do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. Totally agree that, you know, if you, it, like, if you are thinking very harsh, negative thoughts about anything, like, you, it's really difficult to see the light and to see the positivity in, in your life as well. That um, you, you can't, um, it, I think it's very hard to... Uh, have have thoughts that don't align with your life and as soon as you start to put that uh, those things in place like daily habits that lead into your daily thoughts and that um, force you to um, respect your environment and yourself and, and your time it it then ends up with you having like excellent or at least positive thoughts or at least like thoughts that are in your own best interest and and that builds on to then having the, the life that you want absolutely absolutely um and yeah i guess if you truly love something um then you should direct all your energy to it and i think that will help fuel your passion um and it's interesting i was i was thinking about it and it talks about some people believe that making mistakes it's like making these like irreplaceable dents and you're so scared to fail but actually that's not the point we have to 
let go of these negative thoughts, especially criticism, but by making negative thoughts your focus, you're embodying um, your worst fears, you're projecting those insecurities onto your subconscious, um, and it's really important that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your thoughts. If you have good thoughts, which is why I guess people also love being around positive, happy people, because they give off that energy and that vibe, and that we're all connected by energy, so... Um, I think it's really important to master your mind and that means seeing setbacks as opportunities and again that's a real growth mindset and it's something that one of my one of my absolute favorite people that I absolutely love listening to Naval Ravikant talks a lot about I don't know if it's someone you've come across but I, I highly recommend you listen to his stuff he's pure genius and the point is if you uplift your thoughts um then you'll come to realize the power of cultivating a rich mentality and actually once you realise how precious your thoughts are, you won't actually entertain any negative um, thought because there's just no room for it. Um, and I think they say, I can't, I never remember exactly how the saying goes, but it's like normal people discuss other people, like good minds discuss, like, uh, do you know what I'm trying to say? And I was like, um, normal, normal minds, yeah, discuss people, like good minds discuss like events and like intelligent people discuss like visions and like changing the world i mean i've not i've not said that entirely correctly but the point is that if we want to be like revolutionaries and changing the world yeah yeah i think that there's a um interesting thought there that like we nothing really exists unless there's a there's a um a viewer to experience it and so if you are going through something um or there's a circumstance around you unless you're there to witness it and then to pass a judgment as to whether it's a positive or a negative and put your own thoughts onto it, it's, um, it doesn't really, it, it's not even happening. Like there could be something really bad in quotation marks that's happening on the other side of the planet that you and I don't know about right now. Mm. But to us, it's not really happening because it's happening somewhere outside of our sphere of influence. And so when something happens to if the same thing was to happen to it right in front of us, we would then have that bad thought that mm. this thing is happening. But if we're not even aware of it, then we don't have a bad thought, but it's still happening. So mm. it's actually more about the viewer experience that we're, we're experiencing that and then we're passing our judgment onto that of the thought that this is a bad thing and that fills our mind with the, with the negativity that um, could be positivity. Like you said, like it depends on what, whether you're looking at it from that abundance mindset mm. or that scarcity mindset. Absolutely. You've got uh you've always got an option and you've always got a choice as to how you look at it and I guess that it would be it's not fair to sort of say like to spin everything in a positive way because you have to be real and you have to sort of like see it for what it is. Great point. Um but sometimes the worst things that happen happen exactly the way that they're supposed to happen so that somewhere down the line in the future whatever the lesson was that you learned today Mm. um helps you or or sort of like is your solution um no you're right in your future that you just don't know about you can't see it right now you're right and i mean even just taking it more beyond us right it's like there's all these wars it's impossible to feel happy about them but actually maybe um we need to yeah not always seek to put a positive spin on these things but to understand why they're happening um and actually what can we maybe do to 
positively change it so that we can make a better outcome for us and society more generally so actually recognizing this is a problem and we need to improve it so that people can look at it in a positive spin is also another way to look at it does that make sense yeah like making a learn from it making it a learning point yeah but um but yeah that's a, a fantastic point thank you um the other couple of points I wanted to make conscious looking at the time um, the purpose of life is to have a life off purpose um, and looking at self-examination so living your life with this sense of like unbrindled exhilaration and joy and making your life um, being the architect of your own life I guess is the best way to say it so the universe will take care of everything else but you have to look at life as a gift and staying focused on your purpose and creating that clear mental picture, which obviously you, you would un- undoubtedly fail to do if you follow the 5am club um, premises that they're saying, but giving yourself positive pressure, maybe writing a bit of a goal contract um, with yourself, include a timeline, which I've been seeing on your wall, you do, like I'm going to achieve X, Y and Z by a particular time, so you're accountable. Yeah, I guess setting a deadline does help sometimes. Yeah, I think so can create a bit of anxiety that you haven't quite achieved it by that certain day so maybe leaving it a bit open-ended that you're going to have at least started something by a certain day rather than having finished or at least you'd have done a first draft or you're um going to give it a really good go mm. you don't want to have too much pressure on yourself to no. like, um to then have a situation where you may feel like you failed an arbitrary goal that you just out yeah yeah you just change the goal po- goal post but you're still living with discipline but you give yourself a bit of mm. um self-love and kindness yeah part of the book is about um taking your goals and then going granular is mm. the word that he uses with the goals that you might set a goal that is um for this time next year but you don't just leave it as a goal and a final goal post you're gonna say that by 11 months I'll have done this much, by 10 months I'll have done this much and Mm. you work backwards so that you know how much you have to do every single day and if you're not going to do it every single day, at least every single week so that you can check up on yourself as you go along and by the time that you are anywhere close to your deadline you should be a proportional amount of the way through the work that you need to get done instead of just setting the goal and then that yeah. being it. So that's an interesting point. So how do you organise your time? And so do you... Yeah, it would be good to know, how, how do you manage and organise all the things that you're working on? Well, I'm I'm struggling, to be honest. I, I don't think I have quite enough time in the day mm. um, to, to get it all done. Like, I'm training every day, I'm reading every day, I'm writing every day, I'm like... Uh, doing quite a lot of sort of practice at, at, at my crafts and, and trying to get better at certain things before I um, before I sort of finish my rebrand and and uh, and decide exactly where I, where I want to sort of like direct the next few next few months and next few years so it is really hard to get everything done and mm, and, and sort of the best the best techniques that I've found, other than waking up early, it has been to do 25-minute blocks. So I'll set a timer on my phone, which dedicates my time until the timer goes off, but I'm not going to distract myself, and I need to get whatever it is done within that 25 minutes. Very good. And then I've got a five-minute break afterwards so that 
my time is almost sectioned into half an hour with 25 minutes of dedication. And I, and mainly the dedication is just like not going on Instagram, like not going on WhatsApp mm. and like just not looking Slave around the room. Slave to social media. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like you're absolutely right. actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So that's really helped. And then daily checklists has helped yes. to make sure that I've done stuff like... Reach into the choir. <laughs> yeah. Like if I, if I don't make my breakfast the night before, then I have to waste time in the morning yes. doing that. So like yes. getting some stuff, getting stuff ticked off of my checklist rather than a to-do list. I do use to-do list, but the checklist is like really different to the to-do list because the checklist is like to get this set, this are the things that I want to do every single day. So you don't do the to-do list and then checklist it off? You have separate... List, yeah, so there's a, there's a checklist which is that these are the guaranteed things that I want to do every single day, like how a Robin Sharma like life mastery would be that this is the dedication that I'm going to put into my life to say that on a daily habit, uh, this would be a daily habit that I would like to have. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to make sure that I do it every single day by checking it off at the end. And then also, um, if you don't mind me keep talking, is yes. to say no to more stuff. Like, Good point. To Love just, it. like, not do as much and to kind of, like, put the top 50 things that you would like to do this year all onto a big sheet of paper and then put them in order of which ones you actually would like to get done, which ones you don't care about that much, you can just not even bother writing them onto this too. And then out of the top 10, you just say the top three are the only ones that I'm really going to dedicate my attention to because the other seven are clearly not that important to me anyway because otherwise they would be in the top three and then you just focus on that like there just isn't enough time to get good and to want to um to do all these things and to look after yourself and to look after your environment and now like you know we work Mm. you know we have jobs we're like trying to survive and make money and like you know have a social life perhaps absolutely no you made such a good point and actually robin Sharma talks about this very point that only enlightened people are priority driven and that does mean sometimes having fomo so the fear of missing out and saying no yeah. because actually your value increases exponentially by you doing so and people will respect that it's a huge um tip for adulting and again speaking about my favorite uh, one of my favorite speakers naval rabagan he very much talks about that and i guess as a final point just looking at the time um, he very much said that once he learned how powerful his time was, and it's, I guess, the only thing that we, we can all go by, um, he said that I would almost charge my time. So, like, first it started out with a ridiculous number, like $5,000, um, and he wouldn't get out of bed for anything less. And then it became ten, twenty thousand, 20000 etc. And he would place the importance on, like, outsourcing things because you can't physically get to everything, nor do you need to focus on what you're good at, what fuels your passion, mm. um, while still being, like, a kind, um, decent human that has, like, kindness and compassion for everyone. Um, so yeah have value on your time um and guard that fiercely and that's something i think i'm noticing is an area that i want to continue to cultivate on so yeah oh i feel like we could just talk about so much i think we're gonna need a part three rupin i think i'm gonna have to have you as a regular on primrose light Uh because you have so much wisdom to share but um it's just we're running out of time um, but I, as in normal form, I always like to leave people with a little uh, quote. Um, and I thought this was really beautiful. Um, and it says, may we shed with grace, may we heal at a gentle pace 
And through it all, may we breathe from a joyful space. There's so much transform uh, transformation occurring on the planet. And so you have to find joy in the healing, grace in the transition and peace in the process. And may we revel in the gentle love that is always present. So a huge thank you to Rupin for coming on again and sharing some wonderful insights. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you so much for having me again. It's really, it's, it's wonderful to be here. And uh, I'm so proud of you and uh, you're doing a great job. That's very kind. Thank you. And to our listeners that have kindly taken the time to listen, a huge thank you. Uh, please stay safe, stay well, and uh, we'll catch up very soon. Thank you so much. Take thank care. You. Bye. Bye.